Alright, episode 7 for the Best Side Podcast, we're catching up with Ash Herman, aka Herman is the bro who's been making some waves musically for a little while now, uh, taking advantage of that whole SoundCloud thing and doing big things on there, making his way into other mediums and dabbling in all sorts, but I've known the dude for a long time, we dabbled in, in similar circles and we have some uh, friend groups which, which intersect, but I hadn't actually sat down and had a proper conversation from him, and it's funny, like, when you look at hip-hop, you look at the guys involved with the scene, you look at all the rappers and stuff, the things that they talk about in their music, and then the things they talk about in their interviews and their one-on-ones are completely different, you know, like, I'm always constantly having battles and arguments with parents and things like that, because, you know, they think hip-hop is just all fuck bitches, get money, which, hey, a lot of it is. But then when you actually talk to these guys and kind of what they're about, one, you kind of gain an understanding of why the music leans that way. Uh, but secondly, you understand that some of the times or sometimes of what they're saying isn't always as direct. Um, there's always some hidden thing behind it or some sort of hidden message like the poetry and uh, hip hop is still going hard today. And look, I was happy to see that that is still the same talking to the very home. We chopped it up for about two hours talking about everything from you know, politics, to the Christchurch shootings, to, man, we talked about music, of course, we talked about close family, uh, family we're not so close with, um, but yeah, I know that a lot of people are going to take a lot out of this, um, so make sure you lock it in, find somewhere comfortable, if you got me on in the gym or in the car right now, um, get ready to get distracted, set, set the bike or the treadmill to something real long, and just listen to what we're talking about. Uh, and get it done. So here it is, episode seven, the Best Side Podcast. It's the Bro Herman. Oh, yeah. So first question I always ask, bro, is where are you from originally, etc. Are you born and bred here? Um, I was or? born um, on Scott Street up in Naumudu. Um Yeah, up, up the lookout there. Oh yeah, um, at my grandparents' house. Um, yeah. Um, Spent pretty much all my life in New Plymouth, other than moved over to Oz for a bit when I was like 10 to live with my piece of shit dad, and um, <laughs> oh he's trash, and then moved back when I was like 12 when shit was just a bit hectic, and then um, moved back over to Oz to live with my brother when I was like 17, and then um, yeah, other than that, I'd done a little bit of living in Auckland when I was um, oh like maybe two, three years ago, and other than that, just been in New Plymouth the whole time. Yeah. Sweet. So, yeah. where's like your favourite place you've been to so far? Then all the places you've grown New up. Plymouth. Yeah. Far, eh? Fuck yeah. Were you ever on that me. train though of people like fuck this place? Like fuck yeah. I think you have to be. Eh? Like, like I mean, I, I think you gotta see other shit to really appreciate where you're from. You know, like especially like yeah, like move to some big cities and some you know like yeah, you got. I think I think you gotta get that perspective from um. From, from, yeah, elsewhere other than here. So I'm pretty fucking, like, cracked out on coffee right now. I just had two cups, and I'm like... So oh. <laughs> good means, you, means you'll be thinking, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm not used to caffeine. No, I'm quite sensitive to the shit. Bro, I'm the same. Like, I, I, I used to be real bad just on coke back in the day. But when, I don't know if it still got it, but I know it used to be quite heavy in coke. I used to have a can of coke, bro, and I'd be fucked. Yeah. 
Oh man, I like since giving up chop like like a month or so ago, like she's still off the weed. Yeah, oh, I'm, I smoke like you know a little joint like a few times a week, like but you know like just straight weed, like not chop. It's like that shit's fucking Satan, eh? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so flip back to being younger, bro. What were some of your earliest memories then? I guess growing up in Scott Street or trying to think back, like what were some of the early things that you remember as a kid? Oh, I, I know it's hard just, to dive um, into. Yeah, I remember like a, a few, um, a few really early things, but like my memory's pretty fucked at this point. <laughs> eh? And like I, I think yeah, I, I don't know. I guess there's like a, like a few things that have happened along the along the way that have sort of like overshadowed any other like more sort of like what's the word like yeah things that have overshadowed more um just like you know passing memories think like pleasantries and whatnot. Like, yeah, yeah. But, um, Especially because you're a deep thinker. Well, it sounds yeah, like you've made yeah. that transition into someone who looks at things a bit more deeply now. So yeah. it's hard to kind of pin some of the lighter stuff. Because when you're that young, you don't remember deep shit, do you? You only just nah, have like... I think my earliest memories was probably just um, when I was five or... So, oh, probably like five or so. Like mum, my mum had uh, aneurysm when she was out running. And so her um, her girlfriend at the time, well, she's, um, she was a lesbian in that growing up. So I was like grew up around like the gay community a lot in that yep and um yeah i think those are my earliest memories is like my mum's girlfriend at the time tyree looking after us and she was like a real hard bitch you know like a real like like gruff like sort of blue collar worker like you know oh, yeah. like, she was pretty hectic and i just um yeah i think those are my my earliest memories are like, making us eat marmite on toast and i hated marmite <laughs> like, just all that sort of stuff like yeah i'd, I'd is your mum all good like now that I know yeah, she came yeah, back she, from it and stuff? Yeah, she's um she's living in Castlecliff now, loving life. Eh? Um, bought a house down there and shit. Fucking just got a new dog and that. Now she's um she bounced back real good after that, and it was real good fuel for um her music and shit too. You know, like a lot of um, cause she um she's always been like a singer songwriter. Like always grew up like watching her play at the at the park and shit. You know, cool. like, all of that. And um yeah, a lot of her music was about how um how much she's got to cherish life because you never know when it's going to be over, you know, because she was, like, she was real fucked for a long time after that. Like, she even, like, she had to wear an eye patch and shit for a couple years shit. after that because they fucked some optic nerve or something. And, um, yeah, I, re I remember, like, yeah, her dropping me off to school and, like, um, like picking me up and that and, like, yeah, kids just making fun of me for having a pirate mum and that, you know? Like, I was going to say, <laughs> I was going really to ask if you and your siblings or whatever gave her shit about the whole pirate thing, oh, but yeah. fucking people at school were giving it, eh? I honestly, I don't think me and my mum have ever even had, like, a yelling match in my whole life. I've never, I've never wanted to upset her, I guess, like, whether it was, like, because I felt sorry about the position she was in raising us all by herself, poor ass, or, like whatever like i was just always super nice to her and like to this day you know like it's just like like nothing she could ever do would ever be wrong you know like it's like the loveliest lady in the world you know awesome bro <laughs> how, so how many brothers and sisters and shit you got um i've got two full siblings an older sister called emmy um and an older brother sam who lives over in australia he's um he's like fuck working at a uni and shit like music professor type buzz um and he's here touring the touring the world with his band and that all the time, but um, those are my two full siblings, and then I've got I don't even fucking know how many half siblings. Like, yeah. 
because oh my dad's a bit of a slut like you know just like has one family like ditches that one because like the grass is greener somewhere else and starts another family and then ditches that and starts another family somewhere else and all that you know like. so was he around when you were a kid or no nah, nah, he um he got to oz when i was two i think so i don't really i don't really remember like early life with him and then um but there's always when you're a kid like oh dad this dad that you know i can't wait to see dad like all that sort of stuff you know like because you're a boy or whatever yeah like, yeah and you think dad's probably a good cunt you know like, <laughs> I, was, I was talking to someone about that the other day eh? like it's funny how when you're a kid like you have this kind of ideal mentality of people in your life you know whether it's your dad or your grandparents or whatever yeah. and then you actually kind of grow up and you have that moment you're like Wait, actually this person was a bit of a fuck up like yeah. this is this has yeah. gone down so when did your dad kind of start coming back into your life because did you guys have a bit of time away from each other in the middle of the my you? um my mum like had a deal with him like when when each one of us turned 10 would go live with him for a bit or whatever you know like so when um so that was always the plan you know growing up it was like oh yeah when i'm 10 i'm gonna move to australia and like stay with dad for a bit and that and um yeah, like, I, he wasn't even leading up to that, really, in my life. He's, like, never sent me a birthday card or, like, given me a call or, you know, like, anything, really, forever. So, like, it was sort of, like, just, I guess, yeah, naive kid shit thinking that this cunt gives a fuck, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, then living with him, like, when I was, like, 10, showed showed the whole story, you know? Like, it was just like, oh, this cunt really doesn't give a fuck about his kids, you know? Like, just, oh, just uprooting their lives. And, like, I had a younger brother, too, that we lived with who was um his son to another lady. And, um like, yeah, like, just watching. He never really got to settle down and have a life or a friend group or anything because, you know, he was always... This like, is your little brother? Yeah. So, because he was, like, my dad was always just like, oh, yeah, we're going to move here or we've got to move there because it's going to be so much better when we get there or it's like all of that shit so dragging us all around through that and like he also had this um crazy bitch of a fucking wife who was just like pretty violent and you know like pretty out the fucking gate like i don't know how else to put it you know like but um he, he never seemed to be able to distance himself from her enough to do right by his kids or anything you know but um yeah it was there was some pretty intense episodes in those couple years like anything you'd want to share or anything you could and like us, if you don't want to share it, that's fine. Yeah, but like, like I've, I guess, like most people I know, sort of know most of it. Like, it's not really any secret, like what that sort of life was. Like, I, I don't like. I guess, like my memories of it all are all like a very young person's memories, you know. Like, so it's like, obviously, emotion of the time probably like paints my memories a certain way of it all. But yeah, there was there was times where. It was pretty murderous and pretty, like, you know, ugly. Like, i seen him, like, you know, flopping around in a pool of blood in the hallway a few times after getting stabbed up by the bitch and that, you know? like. So it was, like, it was, yeah, it, sh- it definitely showed me what not to do, you know? Like, don't stick around in any situation that's fucked. But I guess he thought he could save her or whatever, you know? So they're not together anymore, or? Oh, she died recently, like, um, like a couple of years ago. It was fucking funny when I heard that. But... <laughs> Like, what happened to her? Um, I think she OD'd in King's Cross, what I, from what I hear. Oh, shit. Yeah, but... Um, but they were still together up until that point. It's a, it's a loose one, because she, like... They, they were always, like, you know, had, had like, be like, all right, she's fucking crazy, we got to get out of here, like, so pack up all the kids in the car, drive, like, across Australia for three days or whatever, you know, and then it's like, oh, life's going to be, like, great now, you know, like, we're away from that bitch, and then, like, a month later, she'd turn up, like, obviously, they'd be, like 
Talking in my like, world, then it was like, yeah. what? <laughs> it's funny because I mean, funny, ironic, not funny, haha. But like a lot of it's, it seems to be a lot on the other foot, eh? Like a lot of dudes kind of come back and I don't want to say yeah, do the yeah. groveling, but they're the ones that are like, look, I fucked up. But it sounds like what you're saying is she the one that kind of came back a lot. And was yeah, like, yeah. It's like I don't know. Like he definitely yeah, invited her back. You know, like like looking back on it, it's like. Yeah, I, I I guess I look at it like he thought he could fix her or save her or whatever, but she was fucking far gone, you know, like. Yeah. But um, like my um, my older brother, like he um, he's always had a pretty positive view of dad, I guess, because he spent a lot more time growing up with him and stuff. And so when I start talking about all that sort of shit, he starts defending and that, and it's like I I. Get this it. is your older brother. Yeah. 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 Um, Sam, he's um, he'd be thirty one now, I think. But like he's doing real well for himself, you know. Like I, like, don't think that yeah, growing up with with our dad really stifled him at all. I think more than anything, it just made him be a real responsible cunt because he was spending most of his time looking after my little brother and and you know like um, starting his own life outside of home because home was a bit fucked up or whatever, you know. So he got like a missus pretty young and they're still together like fucking what ten or oh, fifteen odd years later or whatever. They're married and stuff. They just had a kid about a month or so. Oh, couple few months ago but yeah he's doing real good so um it's yeah it, that that shows me that yeah like the whole um the whole upbringing that can't really be any excuse for how you are you know like because like fuck he's doing good like like, yeah, so, yeah. like what excuse do i have did you, you know, used like, to make that excuse though do you think oh, when you were younger fuck yeah like forever you know like i'd sort of blamed like shitloads of my shortfalls on um on early life you know but like you can only do that for so long, <laughs> you know, like, before it's like, oh, but life can be good, like, why do you need to, yeah, like, live in your past or whatever, you know? So then what happened, I guess, with yourself, um, when you learned that lesson, and you kind of started shifting and putting it on your life, like, when you were, used to blame, you say, blame shit on your home situation, your old and stuff, but then when you had that moment, like, actually, you can't blame that stuff, because my bro's doing all right, how was that? switch honestly it just switched me into like deep fucking addiction and just like masking everything you know like for a while it was just like, oh, like sweet like turned like you know like maybe like 19 or whatever and i was um i was like real into hardcore like when i was a teenager so i was doing the whole straight edge thing you know i didn't do like any drugs or like fucking didn't drink didn't even take panadol or nothing and then like then got to a point where I, yeah, I broke up with my um, like high school fucking girlfriend, you know, after being together for like six years. And How old were you at this point? Like 19 or 20 okay. when we broke up. And like, I just, um yeah, just like went off the rails for a few years, you know, like got like... Bro, if that was your first breakup, you're not the fucking first one, you know, like... But yeah, I sort of, yeah, didn't really address anything for ages because it was just like, all right, fuck all that, fuck all that, fuck all that. I'm just gonna, like, I'm just gonna step back and do me and doing me was like just yeah like self-destructive bullshit you know <laughs> take us through that what were some of the things that that went down oh just um i got like deep into um into benzos like uh, when i started going for people to, listening that don't know what that is oh you? like like um prescription anxiety medication and stuff you know xanax and like and clonazepam and such like I got like real, real deep into that and just heaps of drinking, like partying, like fucking bitches I shouldn't, you know, like fucking, like just, just basically, you know, doing lots of young dumb cunt shit and like sort of hiding from, um, hiding from all those like early traumas and that, you know, and that continued for fucking years till about maybe like two or three years ago, you know, like, 
when I um yeah decided hold up like this ain't me this ain't what I should be doing shit should be going forward not just like sitting in one place forever you know like yeah then um yeah like like life's been just getting gradually better and better since like you know shedding all of those vices and that but it um so tell us about some of those real dark points then bro because like we've got mutual friends so what people probably don't know listening is that we we don't actually super know each other this is the most we've probably talked to each other yeah, since yeah. we've ever but we've dabbled in the same circles so um i know some of my crew or some of our crew i should say they know little bits of your story and stuff yeah. like that but i have no clue so take me through i guess some of those real super dark moments that you went through because from what i understand from our light convo you've been to a couple yeah um i don't know where to start like I think, yeah, after, um, like, falling off the straight edge wagon and, like, sort of, yeah, like, I guess that was my, like, I, I felt felt like I'd sort of missed out on my teenagehood, so I started doing that in my early 20s, you know, like, when you really shouldn't be, when you should be starting to get it all together, you know, like, but, um, yeah, like, got a few, um, like, got a few, like, flats with a, with a bunch of mates and stuff, you know, where it was just sort of party seven days a week sort of thing, and just, yeah, like, I um it's, yeah, it's hard to know where to start. It's wherever you want, bro. I think even you don't have to set any sort of chronological timeline, but maybe just draw out some incidents or sometimes you remember like so when people ask me about my party day so to, so to speak, like I remember days getting up and being like, Fuck man, no way am I doing that shit again twenty minutes later I'm back yeah, on that shit. Oh, so yeah, that shit too, like I um I, yeah, I, I looked around at, at like, I guess my, my surrounding environment and all the humans I was in and was like, oh yeah, man, like this is, this is it, this is me forever or whatever, you know, like this is cool, I'm chill with this, like I can do this and not, not really realising until, um, until you've like, you know, not really talked to anyone in your family or like, you know, like even replied to like, your sister or mum's calls or like anything for like a couple fucking years like just being like oh shit like I'm actually fucking up but like I think it was um I think it was when I got onto the like got into the pharmaceuticals and that when it started being really destructive you know like sort of brushing off all my relationships and friendships and family and all that like that was probably the lowest point you know and that would have only been what 2014 2015 not even that long ago when it was in its in its darkest like deepest point you know and following like following that while I was still you know deep in that that mindset of an addict like I'd started like started losing a lot of people close to me I think it started with my granddad um passing away um I like I was I was fucked up you know clouded fucking addict through that whole time and seeing my um seeing my family and stuff like you know so, like suffering grieving going through that stuff and not really giving a fuck about them because i was too caught up in my own fucking head like too caught up in like i oh, know like like fuck like yeah you, you guys all think you have a heart i've got it way harder you know like yeah, yeah. just like that dumbass shit and i feel like yeah like i look like i look at it now and i kind of like deep on like fuck i probably stifled other people's grieving processes and shit quite a bit like with with all that shit you know but how so do you think just selfishness you know just like addict selfishness like that's like no other way so you mean they would they they kind of didn't get an opportunity to really fully grieve because they're worried about you or partly and also just just 
just partly like you know like my whole attitude towards everything was just like oh no fuck these cunts you know like like even like my uncles and like you know like just family and shit in general it was just like yeah just like i was just in the wrong wrong mind frame through it all like when i should have just been playing a support role you know because they all lose their lost their dad and shit you know it's like it was my grand like mine and nucky's granddad and that you know but like it was yeah it was like my mum and my my uncles and aunties and shit's dad and like i feel like yeah i should have should have been a lot more supportive through that and that was sort of the start of like a string of lots of people really close to me dying like um like my my best friend who i started um started all the rap shit with um this dude Callum, he um he killed himself at the end of 2015 and i think that was that really sort of marked the um the start of me think like the the shock of oh shit i actually need to start sorting my shit out because it can't actually continue like this or i'll, I'll end up that way you know yep. and um yeah just like spent the um like when he passed away spent the the week after that with his family just like you know like um, we were, we all sort of just slept in, in the lounge like around you know Callum's casket and that while he was lying there with an open casket and just dealing with everyone's what everyone was feeling there and stuff like really opened my eyes to how how destructive my life was you know like just because I guess seeing how it can ultimately end up in that you know I think um that was when I started to actually realise how much better I needed to be to everyone around me, you know? What sort of um, solace, I guess, did the pharmaceuticals provide? What What did they enable you to it do? Why was it you such... Away. Like, it just, like, just completely shut everything off. It was, like, cool, like, you know, pause everything every day, forever. Like, you know, like, <laughs> never, never really have to, yeah, think about moving forward or doing anything else, like then yeah a few a few more friends passed away like had like one of my my best friends growing up um skip do you know did you know skip yeah, yeah yeah like when he passed away like i was starting to be in a better place at that point um his was a skating accident right yeah he was, he was um skating across the road and yeah a taxi got him but like i was that that was when i sort of realized that because i was living in auckland at the time when that happened and um, that was a point where I realised, like, oh, shit, I, like, nothing in this world really matters other than your people and, like, you know, like, your people, your place, like, all of that. Like, I, I, I moved straight back to New Plymouth pretty much after that because I realised that we all need each other. <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah, all, yeah. all your people all need each other. And there's, um, yeah, there's no, no substitute for that, really. You know, like, whether you're off chasing this or that dream or or you know chasing this or that high or what, whatever it is that you're doing like none of it actually matters as much as like your people and just being there for them and shit because like when skip passed like pretty much everyone i knew was fucked up by that you know because he was like such a close part of all of our lives yeah and like yeah really yeah highlighted the value of coming back to earth and fucking <laughs> And being there for everyone, you know. I remember that too. Like, I'm not going to lie and say that I was super close with dude, but I remember, like, when we used to have our piss-ups and shit, and I think that's, when we, yeah, that's when we first met each other too. <laughs> and, like, partying and shit up there. And the dude was, you know, 
always fun to be around. And oh, I could just, see yeah, how tight you guys were. Beacon of positivity, eh? Like, yeah. Even, like, whenever I was in, like, a like a fucking angry at the world shitty spot, like, if I was sitting next to that dude, suddenly I wouldn't be, you know, because he'd just either rip the piss out of me, like, for being like that or, you know, tell me why to not be or whatever. He was, yeah, he was an amazing fucking human. I was just getting Sam Skiffer. When you think of mates and stuff who have um, taken their own lives and things like that, and you're talking about when you were going through your addictions, is there would is that what the kind of realizations was like? You saw a path that you were on, similar to what they were doing, and kind of obviously you saw where they ended up. You oh. saw yourself heading that way. Is that yeah, for sure. I think the biggest realization was how many people like just get fucked up by that. Like you know, like I know that the the bro Callum like he felt like not many people cared and this that or the other you know like and then seeing just like how many people like how many people's lives it permanently changed and fucked up was like fuck how could I even considered like you know all of those attempts I've made to end it or like anything like how could like how could I even like even if this world is horrible for me to be in like or like even if this world like this life is like you know, fucking insufferable and, like, can't be fucked with it, like, you've got to put that aside because of all the other people it's going to fuck up, you know, like, yeah. like, it's, it's, it was, like, a big, like, holy fuck, like, how could I have even ever considered any of that, you know, like, it was, yeah, it was, that was heavy because that was the first time I'd had someone really close to me, like, with, with suicide, like, pass away, but, like, my, my sister's boyfriend, um, or ex-boyfriend, like, when I was way younger, like, maybe 13, um, killed himself, um, and, like, I, I had hung out with the dude a bunch of times, gone skating, and, like, hitchhiked out to Okura to you go, go skating out there and stuff with him and that, like, and he was, that was another one, you know, like, it was, like, like, like I described myself, you know, like a, like a piece of shit, like a scumbag or whatever, you know, like, 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 just, like, not like a clean-cut, sort of you know sociable like hey nice guy like you know like a like yeah like a bit of a dirtbag like the rest of us like and like you think that no one would care but it fucks everyone up eh? like and that he wasn't really close enough to me for it to really change my life like like Callum and and Tyler and like people when I was a bit older and had a more mature mind like just like that would yeah Callum was the first time it dawned on me really like how heavy that really was like making those sort of decisions you know like like even if not for you like you know it's not it's not for you to 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 not do that it's for everyone else you mm. know because yeah as, as lowly as you think of yourself like there's always going to be hundreds of people who don't think of you that lowly you know like so what are some of the things like i mean i've been through it too bro like i've had family members and shit pass away um i have to admit with suicide very early on like i'm talking about my early teens and stuff like i always had a mentality where if they did it they were fucking selfish and i kind of didn't really talk that's, about it yeah that's but, sort of how i felt about it as a as a, as a teenager too okay man. yeah so I and my attitude's slightly changed well not slightly changed it's drastically changed as I've gotten yeah. older because we never know what people go through um, but I know there's a lot of things like when you know for instance an uncle of mine that did it when I think of him and the place that I later learned that he was in just from signs and letters and text messages and stories and stuff that came up after the fact I was like fuck man if he had only just known 
how much everyone did. Everything like that. And do you, have you, do you obviously thought those sort of things too? Yeah, man. Like, it, there was a huge shift um, with the passing of Callum, eh? That was, like, it was the biggest, like, wake-up call I've ever gotten. Because, like, I, the year leading up to that, I probably tried to commit suicide maybe four or five times, you oh. know? Like, it, like few times I would have just, you know, eaten, like, fucking 15 pills or whatever and be like, man, I'm not waking up this time. And then, like, <laughs> then, like, 30 hours later, you wake up just feeling like shit, you know? It's <laughs> just like, fuck. But, yeah, like, so fucking glad I did wake up those times because, like, yeah, as I say, after seeing all that, it's like, holy fuck, it's never worth it, you know? <laughs> like, but, yeah, like, you can't can't really gauge what everyone's going through and, and how their, like, what their thought pr- processes are doing with it, you know? Yeah. But yeah, that um that did change a lot. Like like my um my sister's ex who who passed away um when we were younger, like that I guess that still was my thought process at the time. It was like, Oh, how could you do that? Like, you know, how could you do that to like, you know, my sister and like everyone else close to you and stuff, like I didn't go to his funeral or anything, you know, when I was when I was younger, like 'cause it was sort of just like, Fuck, like, how could you do that? Like, you know, 'cause it was that that sort of yeah that mind frame thinking that it's a selfish thing to do or whatever but yeah as i like grew up and started going through it all myself like that and then yeah then then seeing the other end of it seeing like you know you or someone you spent every day with someone you spent like you know like every day working on your passions together with and stuff like that like was like oh shit like that's me or like you know that's like someone just like me and like they've done this and and it's yeah ruined everyone's lives for yeah. a little while you know like so yeah completely changed the outlook like and like i i guess i understood his decisions and everything like i understood why he felt like that and why he felt he had to do that and everything but yeah it sort of just made me like ever since i've just been as, as good to anyone i can cross like i cross paths with as i could be you know because like you don't know like you don't know what tomorrow's going to be for them. And you don't know what people are going through at the time, eh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I mentioned to you before we got recording, that's like a big reason why I've been doing this, is because there's so many stories or opinions or things that people go through that other people have no fucking clue about. And I think if there's a bit more empathy and understanding, you know, we can crack, like, it sounds corny as fuck, but we can make the world, we can make the world a better place if people just understand each other a bit better. But I think a lot of people get it twisted as well. Like they kind of, a lot of people think that understanding means to agree. Yeah. Whereas that's not the case yeah, at all. No, no, you don't have to put yourself in their shoes. You just have to understand what their shoes are up to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, like. Love it, bro. Love the analogy. So going back to your family stuff, we've talked about how like you used to blame a lot of shit on your olds. What were yeah. some of the things that you used to blame them for? Oh, being poor. I don't know, like or like you know, like being like I guess I've always been quite paranoid about just about everybody surrounding me like having some sort of either like either a a vendetta against you or like an idea that like you're temporary to them and they're gonna ditch at any point Uh. you know like that sort of stuff like it's yeah it creates a lot of complexes I guess having like having a parent that clearly doesn't give a fuck about you or whatever like it creates yeah like a lot of all right so who else doesn't actually give a fuck about me and like who, who else is like you know just just using these 
situations for now because it's easy in their hair or mm. and wouldn't actually go to the effort of continuing like you know a good relationship or, or friendship or whatever you know like I guess like what's the word like almost like separation anxiety you know like when you leave your dog at home and go on holiday for a week and then like they don't think you're ever coming back you know? <laughs> yeah 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 like that shit like it's it's kind of sewing a bit of a, a pattern to, like, not really trust that people are going to be there for Yeah, long, like, right? I've spent, like, my whole life not really trusting anyone, you know, and not really, like, actually having full confidence in, in anyone that they're actually going to be there or that that they're going to give a fuck or whatever, you know. But, like, I've, I've definitely shaken that whole thought process over the last few years. Like, it's still it's still a lingering thought because it's part of, like, who I am, you know, like, because mm. of, of early things in life. But it's, um... Yeah, it's it's pretty pretty fucking retarded for for want of better word to to like actually have negative feelings towards people for th- shit that hasn't even happened or shit that like you know isn't well nothing they've done yeah yeah like no a, it's just a conditioning your that you've had. Yeah, it's yeah. just like your wiring like you know projecting on all these people like oh they don't fucking care about me or whatever you know like so that bro that's pretty big like a lot of people don't learn that or realize that till later on if at all throughout life. So how have you come to learn that so quickly? Or how have you realised that it's something you've got going on internally and it's not, you know, people aren't actually, don't have an agenda or whatever coming at you. It's actually something that you've been conditioned or something that's kind of been so I don't know how I made that realisation. Like, I think, I think a lot of it sort of just stemmed from yeah conversations with people like my mum or like Nucky or like you know people closest to me like just like because I mean most most of the people I know are from broken homes or from you know like adverse situations growing up and like I look at a lot of them and like I can see that they don't have a lot of the complexes I have and I'm like "Mm, wait up where did mine come from you know like and like I guess it's, yeah, just because we've all taken the things around us different ways, you know? But, yeah, I sort of... I think after, um... After, do it, like, giving up, like, the benzos and the opiates, just the pharmaceuticals and that, you know, like, after going through fucking seizure season and that, you know, like, with the withdrawals and shit, coming out the other end, like... Just being, like, being clear-headed all of a sudden and, and, like, you know, a few years' worth of trauma or whatever all catches up on you at once, like, when you start thinking about it with a clear head. Yeah. And, like, I guess I spent a lot of time, like, in my bedroom alone, just, like, thinking, like, you know, and, like, you'd sort of, yeah, you come to a lot of realisations when you when you do that soul-searching on your own, you know. But that would have, um... And also, also like moving to Auckland a few years ago, like to escape, like well, I the way I sort of put it at the time was like you know every fucking like street corner I look at, every face, everything in this town that I'd look at would remind me of not bad memories, but just memories in general, you know, and things that like I thought ah fuck that, you know, like why are you taking me back to that time or whatever, you know, and like I thought oh man if I move away I won't have any of that anymore you know yeah. <laughs> so like you move away and it's all still there and you're like oh shit so alright I can't just like actually run away from any of this shit this shit must be all inside me you know like and you take it that way <laughs> yeah. cool bro it's, I mean it's, it's 
pretty grown up of you to actually attack those sort of things head on and, and not keep running away but it also sounds like you got tired of running and the, and oh, the body yeah. and the head got tired of running yeah, so you had no yeah. choice but to face it eh? fuck yeah well like yeah it's like because nothing got better you know like you know you move all, you move away physically and it's nothing gets better unless you actually look inside you know but um yeah i'm just i, I guess i'm real glad that i've got i've always had a few people in my life who haven't yeah haven't judged me or like you know looked down on me for any of the you know fucked up methods I tried to take to make it all better and we're always there right through it like just supporting and waiting for me to have these little turns and then they'll talk to me about that or whatever you know like tell us about some people man who are some people that have been there for you through that you've managed to Put stuff, you don't have to talk about everyone because you might have quite a big support crew. You can if you want to. Biggest, but. biggest one's my mum, like always. Um, and Nucky, my cousin, um, he's like, yeah, he's always been a rock for me, you know, like even while he's going through his own shit, like we've always sort of just like, even if one of us, like even if we both fucked, you know, like whichever one of us comes to the other with how fucked we are, like put it aside to make the bro better, like. This guy um, I met when I was like a full straight edge hardcore kid, um, this, this guy called Edwin, who's, um, I think he's living in Wellington now. He's, um, he's still like full straight edge vegan, like doesn't do anything wrong to his body type dude. You yeah, know? Like, he, um, he's never, never judged me for, you know, breaking edge and like, you know, carrying on like a fuckwit, like addicted to drugs, fucking rattling off wild shit about this that or the other like he, he's one dude who's always been solid like and would even out of the blue like i wouldn't hear from him for a, from you for like a year or whatever you know and he'd hit me up like hey bro how are you going and then like actually talk to me not just enable whatever i'm talking about you know like actually challenge you on some yeah, shit yeah. not just yes man you and yeah yeah because there's like i've had a lot of yes men in my life you know like i think been, we all have man, there's been a lot of people who, who wouldn't call me up on my bullshit which is like fucking detrimental you know like which is i guess why i always try and pull my bros up on on bullshit or like you know like i always like try and like challenge sort of anything that i don't really think is the truth or yeah. like, or, or right. How, how old are you now, bro, if you don't mind me asking? 27. So it's probably, I, f- I find there's a bit of a pattern. You kind of like have that transition when you're like 12 to like 18 where you'll just do anything and say yes to everything because you just want friends. And then kind of that 18 to, I don't know, 22-ish, you kind of start figuring out actually what a real friend is. And then like 22 to 25, you kind of start culling people who you know aren't your friends. Yeah, and then yeah. that 25 up, you don't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a common pattern that I see amongst people. And it sounds like you've gone through a similar thing. But some people, some people never shake it, eh? You see like 40-year-old crackheads still enabling each other to do the same shit they were doing fucking 20 years ago. And then it's like, For sure. you, you guys are never going to move forward in life, eh? Like, yes, I think the company you keep is like one of the most like either detrimental or or um fuck what's the word i'm so coffeeed out right now okay <laughs> yeah i think the company you keep is, is probably can be like yeah your biggest asset the, the biggest, biggest catalyst to go either yeah. way you know like like if you're around the right people then life will keep moving in the right direction and if you're not then it'll just yeah it'll just hold you still like 
I think like I'm really glad like all the people I hang out with now like like most of my bros still you know smoke chop hard and like you know still still sort of have you know a lot of beliefs that I guess might not match mine but they never judge me for mine or whatever but like you know like none of the people I hang out with now were like like well why are you giving up chop you know like like because there was, there was a bit of banter on your social media though right like yeah, there's oh, a few people that sent you fringe some characters eh? Hey? yeah like yeah. <laughs> fringe characters like people on on the sort of outside who think they're on the inside like like to judge and shit but guess I've learned to not really give a fuck about what they have to say so much anyway you know because I know the ones that um that I'm here for all the time are here for me and want to see me better myself in whatever way I, I guess I see fit you know so take us through um the addiction side of stuff right you know you've mentioned um spending a lot of time alone and you've talked about um how hard it was giving up certain things take us through how how did you go about kicking the habits and giving up like say your benzos and stuff like that I think a big realization was um was like was work like my um my boss or boss is a loose term my my mentor I guess I'll call him Jody um tattoo stuff in Blagden like I felt like when I was you know about a year deep in in pharmaceutical addiction and that I he never outwardly like judged me or told me off or anything for anything but I started feeling like I was letting him down quite a bit and like I guess that dude's probably the closest thing I've had to like a father figure or something in my life, you know, just like someone who I've sort of like as a young dude, cause I met him when I was like 14, like someone who like, I guess I clung on to and was like, oh yeah, I should probably aim to be like that. Cause he's like, he's a real positive dude, seems to be doing well. Like not, not not like financially or anything, but his life is good, you know, like, and so like when I started I started feeling like I was letting him down. I don't know why. Like, I just, like, I guess turning up to work, like, a bit fucked from yesterday or whatever, and or even fucked from that morning, you know? Like, yeah. like I felt like, oh, fuck, I should be doing better by this dude because he's given me, like, you know, like, some of the biggest gifts in life. Like, he's given me the ability to never need a boss again or never, like, you know, have to work a job again. Like... I felt like I needed to do better by him and that I guess started making me look at everyone around me and started being like, oh, fuck, I need to do better by them too. Oh, fuck, and it like, you know, oh, fuck, like I'm not picking up my sister's phone calls. Oh, fuck, I'm not like, just like all sorts of things. Like, I guess that started stirring up and like, like he's still never given me shit for like any of that, you know, like, because I guess that's not the sort of dude he is, you know, like, but he doesn't need to, like, I guess like, I, I've just got this thing, like, where, like, this is another one of those, like, those complexes, I guess, from early life that are just, like, I want everyone around me to have confidence in me or, or have, like, a good opinion of me. I don't know how to say it, like. Just know you're reliable. Yeah, yeah, and to know that, yeah, I'm solid, I guess, like, and I felt like I wasn't solid, like for quite a while like in that shit and I guess I didn't care because I was in active addiction you know like you don't really care if you're sold or not because you're fucked like mm. but I started yeah started realizing that um that I just wasn't I wasn't doing good enough and then just made the decision to go cold turkey and it fucked me up like I'd like I've had seizures and shit giving that shit up which is fucking weird because I've never had a seizure so, like, before like, give us the play by play how did you do it what did you do What did? how did you set your room up what did you organise just 
you come home, you've had enough. What's step one? Step one. Oh, what was step one? Step one would have just been like, because I mean, I used to leave work and and like just stop by the bro who was you know selling his prescription, like stop by his place, grab like a tray of Xanax or whatever, and just go eat the whole thing before I fucking went to bed that night and like you know like ten pills or whatever that like in that afternoon, mm-hmm. and like that was just about every day. And I guess the first step was just not stopping by the bros, like, you know, on, yeah. on the way home from work and then just getting home and being Simple like, but effective. And being like, fuck, how am I going to sleep tonight sort of thing? And then just having some shit sleeps, but just knowing it's for the better or whatever, you know, like, I've, I'm, I, I am a really headstrong person. I always guess I have been, but I just like. It slips sometimes. Well, it can be a pro and a con, can it? You're headstrong. Yeah. It's either for good or for bad. Well, yeah, you can't you can't convince me to not do some shit I want to do, you know, like. But you can't really, yeah, you can't really convince me either way. It's like, it's always been just on me, you know. And that I guess that was the same like like a month or so ago when I decided to give up, you know, years long chop abuse. Like it was like, well, my head's in it now. Like, that's what I'm doing. Like I'm getting better. Like you know, like it's not. That's not on anyone else, and I don't really care if they're for or against it. But yeah, I guess like when I decide something, that's it. You know, like wh- whether it was like things like you know breakups or moving or like just any dis- like big decision I've made in my life. Like I guess like once I've made my head up, however hard it's going to be after that, that's just what that's what I'm doing. Like, it's like yeah, just go through that and come out the other end, you'll be all good. Like so step one was not stopping by the bros. What 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 happened from that point onwards? How else did you kick this habit or, or shake your, your uh, routine up? I think I probably started smoking a lot more weed again. Okay. But um, that was just the crutch, you know, like shifting habits onto habits. But I feel like it was a far less destructive one um, at the time. Until, you, you know, you're a few years deep in that and you decide that that's got to change too. Yeah. So talk about your mentality though. When it started, like... You, every, everyone gets to that point where they're like fuck man and you, you kind of start frittering out a bit or freaking about it you're like nah I need to have my hit what what happened when you got to that point honestly I had like little mini relapses a bunch of times you know like you know if someone had some shit that I liked on them and they were offering it like every now and then I'd be like oh, haven't done that shit for quite some time but it's a Friday and I've got shit to do tomorrow like but still that see, to me that sounds like still a positive because and prior to that, and tell me if I'm wrong, but prior to that, it was just fucking part of your routine. Like, yeah. all right, it's time to go to bed. I'm going to hit this shit before yeah. I go to bed. Oh, I'll get up in the morning. Oh, i hit this shit before I brush my teeth. For sure. But now that you're actually distinguishing, hey, fuck, it's Friday. You know, like, I can have a drink on a Friday it's, after work sort of thing. It's real fucking weird. I've noticed over the last few weeks, like, like my mentality with, um, with blazing, like, fuck, it's, like, so different, almost to the point where I don't fucking recognise it. Like, I... Like, where it used to be, like, oh, you know, I need to do this or that, so I better have a mole first or whatever, you know, like, like, and, and do that. Like, now it's shifted to the point where, like, the last few times I did get blazed, it was like, I was so blazed that I was, like, almost paranoid and anxious, you know? Like, it was almost like teenage blazed again. It was, like, fucking, like, 12 years old in the fucking farmhouse ripping a fucking <laughs> pipe of, like, fucking straight, straight butt or whatever, you know? I was, like, that type of blaze. Like, oh, fuck, like, everyone's out to get me type blaze. So, like, I've started, yeah, I've, I've moved it on to, like, all right, I need to be, like, really in the headspace to have a blaze now, you know? Like, and I need to have everything 
that I could have like possibly like every loose end tied up everything that I might have to do like done like because like or else I'm gonna have a blaze and I'm just gonna sit there anxiously thinking about what I haven't done yet and like what I need to get done and like like I, I, I'm almost scared of blazing nowadays, you know, it's like, oh shit, I can't do that, like, fuck, that'll fuck me for the day, like, you know, like, so, I think, like, yeah, it's like, it was sort of the same process I went through with that, you know, it was like, I knew how much I had loved it, like, and, like, anything that, that numbed you, like, whether, like, mentally or physically, or took away the pain of just existence, you know, like, it used to be like, a, ah, I always need to numb that. I always need to jump away from that. I always, like to the point where like I'd started functioning as a human again, and realized like that that is just a pause, you know. And you can't actually get anything done when you're like that. And like once you get away from the daily routine of doing fuck all because it's more important to be high or whatever, you know, like <clears throat> start realizing shit. Like I can't. I can't just be doing all this, like, like, I, it's gonna, like, fuck up my day, you know, mm. like, and even at, at night time, like, I started thinking, well, I can't even do it when I'm finished with everything, because then I'm still a grown-ass man who needs a substance to go to sleep, which is, like, basic human shit, you know, like, and so, yeah, I think, like, I think that the main, the main thing with with shaking an addiction or making any big decision in your life is get your head in it and wherever your head's in gun it that way you know like because like all these other things are just pause buttons you know but i'm interested to know what what's it cost you relationship wise like were there many people that you don't associate anymore now that you're not taking pills and shit that you used to associate with or has it been pretty pretty good i'm still pretty like standoffish with a lot of people that i feel like i might have done wrong by through those times because i don't know like because so many like i guess like people all have their opinions and like their you know thought processes about everyone around them like everyone's constantly judging everybody all the time and like there's a lot of people who i know were a little put off by me like while I was going through all that that I still don't really know if they know that I've changed or like that things are different and like I bump into people from my past sometimes and it's almost a bit awkward like they don't know what to say or like you know there's or they don't know how to approach treating me or something because they're like oh is this cunt fucked or like you know like, oh, like, sweet now. so like there's a lot of people that I'm sort of I, I guess I'm still kind of scared to even reach out to and see if we're all good because it's like don't know if we are you yeah. know like but I guess yeah like the, the people closest to me like I just yeah I just hold on to them because I know that we're all good you know like, yeah, yeah. but I know there's a lot of um, I know there's a lot of bridges to mend you know like with a lot of people even not people that I necessarily was ever that hugely close with on a personal level but just you know like fringe characters again you know like people who I went to school with or people that I you know would bump into on the street every now and then and like stop for a yarn with like I know yeah I I, I don't know actually like where a lot of them still still sit on me after going through all that you know like just because I know I was pretty flippant and pretty, like, destructive at the time, where it was like, nah, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah, like, I guess it's, like, 
yeah, sort of confuse and figure out how to approach those, like fixing those things and stuff, you know. Speaking of relationships, you mentioned pretty early, pretty early on about um, your mum's, for lack of a better term, sexual orientation. Yeah. How has that had an influence on you, do you think, growing up, or if any? It's, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a weird one. Like, I, um, I guess, like, growing up, I didn't really see any difference between gay people and straight people. It was all just, it was just all life, you know? Like, those yep. people do that, those people do that. And it wasn't really till I sort of, started getting later in school like intermediate and high school and stuff I, was I started ask realizing school, how many yeah. people had different opinions about these things and realizing how fucking like violently and fervently people held on to these opinions you know like people were like ah fuck gays or fuck like all this stuff and I was like wait uh, wait it's people who hate hate people for that stuff like because I guess it was just such a normal part of my life growing up like I knew so many lesbians and gay dudes and and it was, I, I guess most people, like, I went to school with and shit never knew, like, about my mum being a lesbian or whatever, you know, like, just because why would they, like, why would I bring it up when it's just a normal thing to me, you know, like, but, yeah, like, it was funny seeing, like, seeing other humans outside of the household who that shit was weird as fuck to, you know, like, and, like, I guess some friends I had at high school who are now, like, you know, out and proud gay people, who at the time were kind of dicks because like they I guess were uncomfortable people who were you know like who couldn't be who they wanted to be or whatever and so it just like a few of them yeah like they they were kind of like and I'd I'd always understand it because I could see that they were gay even if they couldn't you know like but it was like like the shift in these people's mentalities when they came out like I just even when they were young adults or whatever you know it took that long but the shift like just seeing how comfortable they were afterwards and shit it was like wow like those people actually like had to go through a lot just to be comfortable as who they are whereas I know if I was gay my mum would be so accepting and loving of it like she probably still wishes I was gay you know like, yeah, yeah. like, like it confused me that there were such barriers for for some for a lot of people growing up because it was so normal to me but i guess in their households it really wasn't you know like it was confusing but I, I, that's when it yeah it sort of all started dawning on me that that shit wasn't i guess like it's becoming a lot more normal and accepted now like we were in a different time eh, when yeah, we were yeah. at school and stuff like i remember you know I, I was actually listening to um the marshall mathers lp the other day and, you know, I think, like, the amount of times that the bro uses the word faggot in there is, like, crazy. Whereas now, if an artist was to do that... Cancelled. Yeah, it would be crazy, you know. And it is a sign of, I guess, a bit of change in time. And even I watched... um, I went to the fucking Bohemian Rhapsody movie when it yeah. came out. And I was out of it watching the movie and seeing how much the bro went through just because he was gay. You yeah, know, yeah. And, like, and, and I guess that was even before, like, I was born when, when Freddie was going through all that. And, like, that generation, to the generation I grew up in, to the generation now, it's like, fuck, some huge changes. Like, because I guess the generation before I was even born, it was, like, fucking cardinal sin. Like, don't go fucking near that lifestyle. Have you talked to your mum about that sort of stuff? Like, what did she go? She must have went through some shit when she first kind of started knowing herself in that way, eh? 
I'm like I haven't talked to my mum a lot about what happened, you know, before before us or like we even like like us kids or even when we were young. Like I still haven't even asked her about why her and my dad broke up or anything, you know. Like yeah, I guess. They probably come really interested like, in yeah, you, know, like, you don't give a fuck. Well, like, yeah, I, I guess I saw with that whole thing anyway with with mum and dad. Like, um, like dad still to this day is very into shift the blame or everything's everyone else's fault and whatever. And he he's always talked down on mum. You know, like he's always like, ah, oh, that bitch, this or that. Or, but my mum's not once in my whole fucking life said a negative word on my dad, even though I know what kind of dude he is. So yeah, like I don't need to ask you why they broke up or anything. Cause yeah, it's like, yeah. I can already see what kind of cunt that is, you know. <laughs> you left yeah. to ask her, bro, and then get back to me. And it's like <laughs> if she put up with any shit when she came out, because you know we've spoken about it was bad enough when we were at school before that. I was could worse. imagine, yeah, I could, Im- I could imagine, like, cause my my grandparents um like Catholic and and stuff, so I could imagine it would have been not that comfortable. But like I know that my um my grandparents have always loved and accepted mum. Anyway, it might have taken some time at the time. I'm not sure, but yeah, yeah, like um. Yeah, my grandparents have always, like, despite the religious thing, always just been really good people, like, you know. Cool. So, I, like, but, yeah, I could I could imagine, like, it would have been, it would have been pretty weird, like, especially in a little farming town like this and stuff, you know, like, because she grew up in New Plymouth as well, like, being in Taranaki her whole life, she was born up in Stratford. So, like, yeah, I could, could imagine, like, yeah, like, white small town New Zealand just being, like, yeah i probably should have a conversation with her about that stuff because i just i never have like yeah, yeah let us know if you do man we be yeah. interested to see to hear that story yeah for sure so you've mentioned jody as well how did you get tattooing how did that all start um that was that um high school girlfriend of mine i was telling you about he's um he's actually her dad and so I'm like, I guess like when I was like 14 or 15 or whatever, I spent a bunch of time at their house, you know, like, and just seeing like, he'd always, you know, I'd be sitting at the at the dinner table, like doodling or whatever while we were watching TV on the couch and shit. And I was always really interested, like we'll walk up and see what he's doing, you know, and then like his mates all were all covered in tattoos and stuff. And like, I just like started looking at him like, fuck, I want to be like that, you know, like, cause these guys look like, cool cunts you know like lived on lived on bank street wore a fucking black t-shirt like you know like it was just like oh this kind the motorbikes and hot rods and stuff you know like it just looked appealing and then um i sort of i started drawing a lot more like because i've drawn like really always been into drawing my whole life but when like i seen how much he was drawing i was like oh I'm, I'm gonna start drawing heaps and maybe I'll draw some stuff that I want to get tattooed on me you know and started like just drawing every day and and started feeling good about the stuff I was drawing like oh yeah I'd wear that and stuff and then um started getting him to like when I was old enough like when I was like 16 or whatever um, me and my girlfriend at the time would like babysit his kids or whatever like for payment for a tattoo you know like yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah, the first one I got was like the Slayer logo on my forearm, and like after that, like 
pretty much all the other tattoos I was getting were just like pictures that I drew. Like there was just like Can I ask? almost trying to impress them, you know? Like Did you like, like the logo or did you like the band? The band. <laughs> a lot of people do it, man. Yeah. A lot of people get tats of the oh, logos just because they like the logo. Oh, by the time <laughs> I was like twelve I'd bought every single Slayer C D whether even if I had to like order it in at a CD shop and wait a month or whatever, you know, like they were they were poor. like easily young these biggest influences as far as music went. But um started yeah started just yeah getting like like heaps of tattoos i guess really young and being like oh fuck well i want to i want to ruin my life with this shit you know? <laughs> i want to start getting them in places i'm not allowed them and shit and like thought fuck well i want to be a tattooist you know like because then i'll be allowed to and i'll be allowed to do all that shit and like when i started asking him about how I could go about learning to tattoo and stuff. He was real standoffish. He was real like, nah, fuck that. Like, you ain't fucking tattooing. Like, you know, just like. What was his reservation? Do you think? Like, why? I think, I think mostly the trials and tribulations he had to go through to get into the industry. Like in the in the eighties, like it was a fucking cutthroat industry. You know, like if you were tattooing at home or whatever, you know, someone would probably rock up and break your thumbs or something because you just weren't allowed to do that. You know, like. And yeah, he worked for a, like a um, like an old biker, like a real fucking hard cunt, you know, for for years. And and the tattoo industry was really heavy, self regulated, and really heavily like there's an us and them, you know. Those people aren't allowed in. Like we're we're doing this sort of thing. And I I guess he probably yeah kept that sort of mentality for a long time because it was the world he knew, you know. And, like, also, like, I completely understand, like, the idea of basically giving your fucking dinner to other people, you know? It's like, well, yeah, like, true. if these people can tattoo, that's less money that I'm going to be making, and I'm relying on that, you know? And, um, yeah, he he always just kept reminding me, like, that he's never going to have an apprentice, he's never going to teach anyone to tattoo <laughs> and shit, you know? Like, and I, I feel like... It took a while for me to realize that that they're like, cause I I went through all the whole oh no fuck it I'll just go and trade me and buy my own tattoo machine and start fucking like you know just like doing whatever and I'm really fucking glad I didn't because like I sort of figured like oh no like this this old hard cunt like he he says all this stuff but I reckon I could probably convince him otherwise if I tried hard enough, you know, like, cause I, I didn't want to start just scratching on my own, you know, like to start figuring out cause I knew that that would just be a detriment in the future, you know, like you'd have all these shitty habits that you don't know how to fix cause you're 10 years deep in them or whatever, you know? So I, um, I started, I got myself a job. I was on the doll like for about a year or whatever while I was just practicing drawing all day, every day, like without really any, fucking desire to get a job or anything because like i was like no nah, i'm just gonna tattoo like at some point you know like, i didn't have a plan how i was gonna get there or anything but i was like no nah, i'm just gonna i'm gonna be a tattooist one day yeah and then um ended up getting a job at the supermarket which left my whole days free because i was working at like 4 a.m till like 10 are you doing the stock at night yeah yeah, yeah yeah and then i was like fuck well i should be doing something to actually work towards that with my days so i started just every day after work at the supermarket just going into the tattoo shop and just I didn't ask for a job or anything I just go in there and hang out all day and just like sweep up after them and like just clean the place and 
and Jody and his um his missus at the time like taught me how to do all the sterilizing and that you know like put all the stuff through that so that they didn't have to do it and all that you know and just sort of worked for free for him for about a, a year and then he was like oh, I guess we're gonna give you a shot I'm gonna teach you the tattoo and I was like it yeah. <laughs> must be pretty good considering yeah. he had just said to you I'm never going to have an yeah. apprentice oh, you know? and like reassured me on that a bunch of times too like I will never teach someone to tattoo and like in 30 years of tattooing I'm still the only person who's ever taught you know? do you reckon because you know we've talked about how you've been quite focused and hard headed do you reckon as soon as he said that to you in your head you're like fuck you like, can't fuck, I'm going to yeah, show you're you you're going to teach me to tattoo <laughs> one day like, yeah. I, and like I, I guess like it, like I could have gone around other shops with my drawings and stuff and like convince someone a little more modern like you know with a with a more modern mindset pretty easily to probably want to take take me on and, and teach me but I didn't want to like I just wanted him to you know because like I guess I respected his history and 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 all of that you know like it's like no that's that's the only dude I want to learn how to do you know and I'm um, like me and his daughter broke up when I was like 19 or 20 or whatever. I was going to ask how this affected your relationship. And it didn't affect anything at all because when I started working for him, him and, and his partner, who was my girlfriend at the time's mum, stressed over and over again about, all right, we're not going to be all like family and friendly at work with you because this is two separate lives, you know, like there's the home life and there's the work life. And so when we broke up, nothing really changed, and I, we we would have had to have the conversation a few more times about about how like nothing's going to change. But you know, like it, 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 yeah, it was it was really quite easy. Like they um, I guess I was in their lives for so long before me and me and their daughter broke up that um that we'd already gotten our own personal connection that wasn't just through her. You know, like so by that point. Yeah, I was just a part of the tattoo shop family, you know, like... Cool, man. just carried on that way, yeah. Glad it all worked out for you, because it could have been fucking pear-shaped. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> could have been fucking pear-shaped. So, yeah. take me through that relationship with Jody, and you've mentioned that he's been, like, the closest thing to a father figure you've had, like, in times throughout your life. Has there only been some times where he's, like, told you to sort your shit out, or whatever? Yeah, like... I've never told him that he's been, like, the biggest father figure in my life. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just sort of, like, I guess, how, like, logically looking at it, like, oh, yeah, that's definitely the strongest male influence you've had who's not been a shithead. Or yeah, yeah. You know, like, and so, like, oh, there's there's been a few times when, you know, I've gotten a little bit hot-headed about this or that or the other, and he's grilled me, sort of, like, like oh, I remember one time, there was another tattooist in town who was saying some dumb shit on the internet and so I like, you know, went, <laughs> went on there like, yeah, fuck you, this, that, the other, blah, 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 like about how I was going to like fucking scrap this cunt and all this that, and the other. Went to work the next day and like, Jody grilled the fuck out of me and was like, <laughs> just like, oh, I should have punched you in the fucking head, like all this sort of shit. Just like, but he, I guess like also when I was younger, like I was pretty scared of him because he was a pretty big imposing dude with tattoos on his neck and shit you know so like if he said something to me that's one dude i'll fucking listen to you know like so like i guess yeah being younger and being kind of i, I don't think scared's the right word but a bit like like in awe of someone or whatever just like, a respect like, mother thing eh? yeah yeah like i i wouldn't want him to be angry at me just like i'd never want to hurt my mum or, or yell at her or anything you know it's sort of like it's not about 
the repercussions on me. It's just about not wanting to actually put them in the position where they'd be angry or whatever, you know? Like, I, I'd, I'd look at him like someone who's given me these gifts and just be like, how could I ever wantingly upset that dude? You know, yep. like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, it makes sense completely. So then, let's talk about the music then, bro. How did this, how did that journey all kick off? Uh, honestly, it started as a fucking joke. Like, like, cause I, I played, played in bands and stuff my whole life, and um, like and when you've I was, come from a musical family. Like, yeah, everyone yeah. in your family sounds like they do e- something. Even my old man, he's like a fucking incredible blues guitarist and shit. You know, like. But um, <laughs> that makes sense. Like the way you talk about him. Like, there's anything I know about blues is that it comes from pain, and it sounds it comes like the bros. From shit heads usually, but <laughs> yeah. and, and the bros been through a lot. But like, I think because when I, I started playing music when I was probably like seven, like yeah, maybe seven or eight years old. When um, because my mum would have was rehearsing in the in the lounge for some shows she had coming up, and she had this bass like this little like Hona like headless like fucking like OG. and um she, like it was really little so it was quite short scale like little people's fingers can play <laughs> you know because she's really little and um she was like oh grab that bass I'll show you the notes for the song you know like and um and I just yeah she showed me I think the very first song I learnt was Lightning Crashes by Live oh yeah and um like just yeah like playing the notes along with her just being like holy fuck I'm making this noise and like it sounds right, you know, like, and I think that, that definitely started it all, and when I was maybe, when I moved back from Australia, when I was, like, 12 or 13, my mum, like, tipped up this, um, this Mac computer that had GarageBand on it, oh, yeah, nice. and so I was like, what's this shit, there's a guitar icon, like, I opened that shit and started just realising that, like, oh, I can, like, I can record a bunch of instruments and make a whole piece of music by myself, you know, and, um, that sort of set the tone for like the next 10 years I'd like I'd record music as a band you know like program all the drums and and like play play a bass line and, and write some guitar over the top of it and then just give it to a bunch of my mates be like oh yeah, you guys learn this on your instrument or whatever you know oh, yeah, and okay. then like we'll, we'll, we'll play it like as a band and that's sort of how I um how I just made music for years was like because I guess I was still in the mindset like it was still band time you know it was still like like the biggest type of music I guess was rock music and stuff and like I, I was still in the mindset that if you want to play live you need a band you know so like I was yeah I was just writing all this music by myself and then like notating it you know like and giving my mates the tabs or like you know the fucking the music notation or whatever and just giving them like, their assignments yeah like all right sweet you all learn this and then we're a band you know like and then i guess what would it have been maybe 2011 2012 um i got over the band thing i was just like this is fucking stupid like trying to trying to sort everyone out trying to get everyone to practice trying to like get everyone to give as much of a fuck about it as me you know like and so i started just yeah like getting deeper into just making music on my computer by myself you know and then um i was living with um do you know robbie hales ginger dude dj used to um dj in town a bit i think i know the name but i can't i was living with him and he's um he's always made beats like he makes real good fucking like beats more like sort of um like boom bappy new york sort of stuff or like you know sort of um just yeah like buzzy like i guess musician type beats you know like it was like sort of like a lot more um 
a lot more creative, I'd say, even than what I'm doing now, you know, like, but he, um, he made a few beats and was just like, oh, bro, you should, like, rap on these or whatever, you know, like, because I was, like, sort of just fucking around with my mate Tom at the time, just, like, just, like, taking the piss rapping, you know, and, um, started feeling like, oh, these piss take songs that I'm making, like, actually could actually be all good if I put a bit of effort into them, and then, um, started, like, on my own, you know, making, like, producing beats and then, like, recording stuff on them, and they were fucking garbage, like, they were garbage for a good fucking three, four years, like, but I was having fun, like, and it was, it was more of a joke than anything, my name was Ushnugs, you know, I was putting out music under the name Ushnugs, <laughs> just cause, like, I, oh, I think that came from Nucky, eh? just, like, if something was mean, he'd be like, eh, Ushnugs, yeah, 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 <laughs> but, like, it does not surprise me, but, yeah, like, after taking the piss for a little while, just, like, you know, making, like, this ignorant rap music shit, I, I was like, man, fuck it, I'm gonna do this seriously, cause this is, one way I could make music and not need a band, you know, like I could just run my tunes and rap over them live and yeah, started trying to make rap music properly and then um, sort of like lost interest for a little while with it until um, until I met my mate Callum who I was telling about who passed in 2015, um, he was like 16 or 17 or something and came into the tattoo shop to book a tattoo one time and um like this big ship up his forearm and like i was kind of in awe of this young dude because he was he was like fucking six foot two or whatever but he was just like the coolest cunt like there was just something about like he had fuck tattooed on his knuckles and shit you know like <laughs> and he was 17 yeah but he got it done when he was like 15 or something and i was just like this cunt is a fucking legend like who, <laughs> who is this cunt like and when i started tattooing him like he, like, we started talking about music and stuff, and he's like, oh, I rap, bro, like, he never recorded a rap or, like, anything like that before, but, like, he was like, oh, yeah, I, I love rap and all this shit, and I was like, hey, like, I rap, like, started talking about how he was rap, and I was like, oh, what, what are you into and shit, and he's like, oh, like, 3-6, like, like, Bone Thugs and all this, and I'm like, fuck, this kind of like, the same sort of rap as me, like, and, um, yeah, like, from then, like, we were like, oh, man, we'll link up and, like, make some music or whatever, and, yeah, that's sort of how the whole NNB thing started and how we sort of started actually believing in ourselves a bit and like taking it more seriously, you know, like I guess just have, having each other both on the same wavelength, we could like both, I guess, judge each other for making shit that was corny or trash or like, you know, like, because I didn't have that before then, it was just like, oh, just make some corny or trash shit and put it up on SoundCloud or fucking YouTube and like, just see what the repercussions are, you know? <laughs> no one to bounce off and yeah, kind of laugh yeah. about it. No one, no one to actually quality control each other's shit, but yeah, like once I met him, it was like, fuck, no, I reckon we could do this. Like, and then um, our mate Sam Boone, he's a, um, he's like a, he's a videographer and stuff. He was, um, he was working for his granddad, like filming like rugby games and stuff, you know, and um, he suggested, oh, I should make you guys a music video, like, and we're like, oh, yeah, me, like, and I think that's when we really started being like, oh, nah, this is me, like, we got to do this, like, and, like... You mean that's kind of when you had, like, your transition from, like, taking the piss yeah, to taking the piss to, like, nah, like, we should take this seriously and actually, like, try and make good music, you know, but, um... It was still trash, like, like, yeah, yeah. like, Callan was fucking incredible, like, he was, like, from the jump, he was so fucking talented at rapping, and I feel like I almost ruined his songs by being on them, you know, like, because I just wasn't as good, like, I feel like my music was still real shit, but, um, 
yeah over the next the next year or two like just like yeah really like I started pretty much only hanging out with Callum and and this dude Aiden and a few other people who were who were rapping like and just surrounding myself basically only with my new rap collective hip-hop collective you know um that was yeah sort of the only people I hung out with all day every day and it sort of started just becoming life in general you know and started watching the music get better and better and stuff like you know get out of like just trash like and actually like shit this is some shit to be proud of you know and I think when um when Callum passed it sort of it made me like it, it gave me a complete one track mind like from that point like and I know till I die I'm not gonna stop with any of this shit cause it's like even if I'm over it like the bro couldn't see out the rest of it so I'm just gonna mm. keep doing it for him you know and that's why I got a Green Lantern tattooed on my face cause that was his rap name like oh, cool. and like so if, if if anything good ever does happen with it if there's you know press shots like anything like he's in all of it too you know like awesome. cause like yeah even if like because there's been plenty of times where I'm like, nah, I'm fucking over this shit, I'm going to quit. And then, like, I'll just be like, nah, the bro would fucking give me a hiding if I said that, you know? Like, <laughs> so, yeah, like, there's, yeah, there's certain things now that just make it like, nah, you're, you're never going to not be doing this, you know? Like, <laughs> like that's it. <laughs> yeah. What, so you've mentioned, like, you know, you're into Bone Thugs and 3-6 and stuff. Talk about some of your other influences and, and what sort of impact are they, or what do you like about them? Well, my biggest, like, my favourite rapper of all time, and he knows it too, like, he's shouted me out on live, and but, um, Mr. Motherfucking Esquire, I've probably never heard of the dude. No. He's from, um, from Brooklyn, this, um, big, fat, black dude, like, fucking larger than life, like, you know, fucking, the, like, I think I actually found it, found out about him, because Louis Nux posted one of his mixtape covers, um, on Instagram like years back like when Instagram was quite a new thing I was like fuck who's that like because the mixtape cover was incredible it was this dude just like standing in space you know it's just like a nebula all behind him just like fucking this chick look, like holding I'll, this chick I'll have like, to look that shit up like holding this chick's like ass like just like fucking her in space <laughs> it was just like holy fuck like this is legendary checked out his music and like he he's the reason I think I started taking rapping seriously was listening to Mr. Motherfucking Esquire. Because he, um, he's always been really outspoken about how he's not, he didn't do no street shit. He's not no gangster. He's not any of this. But, like, his music, it's got, it's got that gritty, streety sort of vibe. Like, just because I guess he is just a real motherfucker, you know? Like, yeah. it's like, but his, um, his music is... I, I just related to it hectically on like like he's always talking about just his inner struggles and like his and, and like his I guess early life and stuff but it's always in such like a in like almost like a whimsical way you know like the way he words everything and everything is just like like just super fucking like like almost reminds you like Blink 182 or The Cure or something you oh, know yeah. like it's like it's fucking depressing music but said not in a depressing way and I guess that's what I tried to do with all my music you know like it's like sounds like a piss take but if you actually listen to the words <laughs> I have to say I have to say I've only really just recently noticed that with your stuff is yeah it's, it's a lot more introspective than what it could sound like I think Blink 182 as well are a huge yeah. influence for that reason you know like the music sounds like a big fucking party and a piss take but like 
fuck, that's some tragic shit. Like, yeah, actually, <laughs> you know? actually listen to it. Yeah, yeah, and like The Cure and like The Smiths, you know, like Morrissey as well. I've got a tattoo of Morrissey like that big on my fucking thigh. Like, oh, just like, as a lyricist, I don't think he's ever been topped by anyone. Like, for that reason, he can like, you know, emote these like tragic fucking emotions in such a whimsical way, you know? In a way that makes you feel comfortable enough to listen to them, you know? Like, that's that's a good point. I never thought of it like that. But, you know, making making the tough shit a bit more digestible by making yeah, it a bit so whimsical is like a good word, yeah. man, yeah. Otherwise, if it sounds a bit daunting and ominous, people stay the fuck away from it. Yeah, yeah. And also, I think, like, if it sounds a bit daunting and ominous, if you have actually gotten to the point where that's what you want to listen to, it's probably going to be really bad for your spirits. You yeah, know? true. Like, it's like, if, you, if you're reveling in this sadness and this, like, depression and all this tragic shit, like, it's <laughs> like, like, I've seen over like this the course of like 2014 2015 a huge rise in really dark angry like rap music you know like things like suicide boys and like like ghosty man and all these like these artists that were just poisoning the fuck out of the youth you know like it was like people like they put out what 20 like that suicide boys they put out like 20 mixtapes called kill yourself you know like number one to 20 or whatever it's Mm. just like Wait, like, you're making people revel in these horrible fucking emotions, like, whereas people like Mr. Motherfucking Esquire or, or Blink-182 or, or Morrissey, you know, like, their music to me seemed more like a release, like, it was more like, alright, but like, everything's all good, but yeah. that's what I'm telling you, like, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> Well, this is what I'm going through, but this is how we make light of it. Or I remember, like reading the Tao of the Wu, that RZA book. Have you read that book? I haven't read it all. I started it, but I haven't finished it. Fuck, I was, like, there's one bit in it where he was saying um, that, like, Wu-Tang's music is, is so aggressive and, like, you know, almost hard to listen to, like, because he, be- like, like and, and I took the exact opposite of what he was saying from it. He was saying because people like Biggie and people like... Warren G and Snoop Dogg, you know, or like, or like, you know, these these West Coast dudes who were like, like, I mean, Biggie ain't West Coast. But yeah, yeah. Music but, was West Coast, yeah, yeah. you know, like Big Popper and that. Like, it's it's West Coast music. Like, like this music was more relaxed and and chill, but it was about violent, horrible shit and all this. And like, he was saying that 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 was like, oh yeah, that just enables you to revel in it. And like, whereas. Wu Tang's music was a release, you know. It was like bah, 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 it was straight like, to the point. Yeah, yeah, and it's like once it's done, it's out. Like yeah, and there's so, no like, deciphering or digesting after. It's, yeah, it's like oh sweet, so that was that. Fucking hell, like yeah, and yeah, I guess like artists that that just that just get it out have always been like that like had a huge place in my heart. Like that's why I guess why I love punk music and shit. You know, like because it's like they didn't sit there and think about a vocal melody or they didn't sit there and think about like how they're going to make this sound like a product that it should be or whatever they just fucking said it you know like yeah but i found like like nowadays i find it really hard to listen to a lot of that hardcore punk and shit because because it is so straightforward you know like and so like i felt yeah like bands like more pop punk sort of bands and stuff like they're saying pretty much the same sort of shit as these hardcore punk bands but like they're just giving it to you in a way that makes you not fucking angry you know like like and it's yeah like that what Rizzo was saying was really interesting because i completely like agree with like where he's coming from but yeah like i i think that just don't necessarily agree with the result 
Yeah, like I I love Wu Tang. Like they were one of like my favorite rap groups growing up and that. But like, it is pretty aggressive music, <laughs> you know. Like and like, I guess like the ideas in it and stuff. Like it has to be aggressive to to say what they're saying. But like, yeah, I I figure like I'd take more of a yeah, I don't know what other word other than whimsical to say. Like yeah, yeah. you know, like like a I think of, it's a great word, but I've yeah, never been able to put my finger on it. But that makes sense. Yeah, like I guess I take more of yeah more of the West Coast route when it comes to that sort of stuff because like hold up maybe I do want people to revel in it you know in this more chill digestible way you know like which is yeah like I, I can't listen to a lot of super aggressive music anymore I guess after that that twenty fourteen twenty fifteen sort of era of ultra depressing aggressive rap music mm. like. It just completely put me off because at the time I was making that sort of music, you know, like that was like I was just like, oh man, get a dark sounding beat and just fucking like, you know, do some dark shit on it, like, and it's like, yeah, it got to a point where it's like, no, wait up, this shit's actually damaging, like. So my music, like, like all my my instrumentals and shit these days are just like funny, like it's funny sounding, like I just like to make shit that sounds a bit fucking funny, like just a bit of a piss take, you know. Yeah. And is that, do you think that that's how it'll always be, or do you think that'll eventually change over time too? I don't know. I guess it's always changing, eh? Like, it changes, I guess, with what, whatever you're feeling, like, or whoever you are this year, or, you know, like, when I was starting, a lot of my music was just directionless. It was like, I'd have a boom bap track here, a trap song here, and it was just like, there wasn't really any mood or, like, direction. It was just, I wanted to make rap music, so I made rap music, you yep. know, like, and then yeah like got into that dark heavy vibe for quite a while and yeah come out the other end of it like well i can make music slap just as hard but it doesn't have to be all angry and, and like aggressive and shit you know like my vocal delivery is still pretty fucking like full-on like bah, 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 shit you know but i guess that's just because growing up listening to three six mafia you know? like, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah that's sort of the sound i like you know like just like I, I, I hate swing, you know, I don't like any sort of boom, 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 like, I don't like any swing to stuff, I just like, da, ba, 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 like, straight bullshit, which, yeah, I guess it was that 3-6 and Bone Thugs sort of, sort of school, you know, like, they never really had any, yeah, like, yeah, I just, yeah, I, is yeah, it, I, is it pretty, like, has the attitude or has, has the insides or the feelings towards music changed? now that you're not just completely taking the piss or is it still the same it's weird like i feel like the more i've learned about music and the industry and the way it works and shit and how to sort of get any sort of shine or get ahead with it like it's definitely stifled creativity and stuff like whereas when i was just like you know make a song chuck it up like whatever like that was the funnest time, like, yep. for sure, like, nowadays, like, you know, my distributor's like, yeah, you gotta give us at least six weeks ahead of time, like, before you're off a song, and, like, this, that, the other, like, so we can push it through this avenue and this, and make sure that this is on, this is right, and blah, 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 and, like, it takes heaps of the fun out, but I guess, like, I've just had to make a divide between creating and releasing, like, they're two different things, you know, like, I can be just as much of a piss take or just as much, have just as much fun creating it, like, you know, like, put just as little effort as I want to into shit or whatever, you know, like, just, just do it, like, yep. but then when it comes to releasing it, gotta take that side seriously, you know, 
Like, so it's sort of like music's become two parts now. Like, because for a while it was just like, oh yeah, just have fun and just show it to the world. Then it became, all right, take this seriously and like, you know, push it through the right avenues and this, that. And now it's come to the point where it's like, no, I can do both of them. Like, you know, like creating is the first half and then like releasing is the other part, you know? Like, so I've, I've got like two whole albums sitting there that haven't been released so far and it's just like, Sweet, well, they might have taken me like five minutes to make each song or whatever, but I'm going to spend a lot longer on the release. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's called an over. Like, a lot of people won't know that. A lot of people think, you know, you've got to put it together and then wait forever, or you have to throw it up straight away. And a lot of people don't know it's on their own terms. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can have as much fun as you want creating, and you can release it however you want. But I guess, like, for me, the way I figured out that works best is, like, don't think too much or like or overdo creating but you sort of gotta overdo releases <laughs> do you yeah. want anyone to hear it you know <laughs> and does that take a little while to learn oh fuck yeah oh, i took a lot of pissing a lot of people off and like you know like industry folk and stuff you know like because you wouldn't take the advice I, or yeah and I, I feel like i'm at the point now where i'm kind of unmanageable you know like i don't think like anyone would ever want to take on like management or anything because it's just like they know that I'm sort of just like boom like just do whatever the fuck I want when I want to you know like would you want a manager? if I was the right person yeah for sure like I guess if, if like because I'm still like I'm still got no idea about a lot of industry shit and how to go about things like things like publishing deals or like you know things like securing this or that media partner before a release or like just shit like that like i still don't really have any interest in any of that because i guess like i'm just obsessed with underground shit and like want to stay underground but like it's yeah it's it's a bit of a double-edged sword eh? because like i don't listen to any mainstream music or like anything but it would be kind of nice to have an audience big enough to give you a comfortable life yeah 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 but not at the expense of your integrity or not at the expense of what you're actually into or whatever you know so what can you do do you think to have the best of both worlds I suppose you'd be doing it if you knew wouldn't you <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I don't know I, I, I guess like that's where someone like a manager would be real handy because then you could just be whoever the fuck you are and then they could handle the business side of shit you know like, yeah yeah which would be kind of nice but yeah, thus far I haven't found them, you know, or her or whoever it is, you know. Um, did you hear during the podcast I did with Todd? He he said he'd he'd consider it. Yeah, fuck, he's a busy man. I wouldn't expect anything like that from him, but fuck, if he ever wanted to, eh, that would be fucking fire. What's your relationship with him like? If you don't like, I I met him. I think it was on like a tattoo convention weekend one time. I've known his um his younger sisters like forever just because um, I went to school with Frankie and like we were um we were pretty good mates and then she started dating my cousin Nucky and um they went up for years so we got pretty close like hung out heaps you know like and um I was like a big fan of his music you know like um, bumping like drinking drug and fighting fucking and that when I was like in my teens and shit and just like I remember one time yeah like years later just walking down the main street in the middle of night or whatever like it was like on one of those tattoo convention weekends and i seen him like sitting on this couch out the front of our place i think and um he was just like with a couple girls or whatever you know like i was just like fuck it's that cunt like so i was just like fuck it i'm gonna go and introduce myself or whatever and just like went up to him like 
just said hey and like I was a big fan of his shit and like whatever and he was like he was just real nice and respectful and like said hi like I almost expect him to be like fuck off little bag or whatever yeah, you know yeah. like cause he looked like that kind of dude you know he looks like a bullshit tough cunt you know like and, and I know he is but he's also a really nice dude like he's just a like, good person the you know nicest like, dude. So like yeah, he was like just real nice, like gave me the time of day, and I was like, oh like I I know I know your sister and your mom and stuff, like you know like I'm like you're good mates and shit. And he's like oh dope, like and I guess like that was yeah the first time I sort of met him, and then from there like I think like in one of my first like songs that I put out with a video like after the whole like full piss take era of my music like when I was still making trash, but like, trying a bit harder, you know, I, um, oh fuck, I had this one bar in the song, like, where it, where it shouted him out something to do with, um, like, New Plymouth Rap or whatever, you know, and like, I, it was, like, I remember he commented on the video, oh, shot for the shout out, bro, or whatever, you know, and I was like, oh, fuck, he heard my trash. <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, yeah, I think just like, from then, like, would casually, talked like every now and then and then it was once I dropped this track Sucker which was in 20 oh, 2015 maybe or start of 2016 like he hit me up just like holy fuck did you make that beat like and all this I was like oh yeah bro like he's like yeah like finally seemed to like what I was doing and I guess that's when we started talking more and we um when he moved back to New Plymouth we um oh when I actually when I moved up to Auckland we linked up because he had um, a room going at, at his flat at the time and I was like homeless at the time looking for a place and shit and um, was like yeah like thinking about moving in there I'm not sure what happened I think I was just too broke or some shit for the room but yeah we linked up then and like had a few beers and shit and like, I was like oh this cunt's dope like, and like I could see he didn't think I was a piece of shit or whatever so like yeah I think we've just sort of since then like I think he's just like kind of he was maybe a little bit stoked that someone still put him on for new plymouth rap or whatever you know because no one really was at the time like it was in a period where it had just died off i think the last ones before that who sort of were trying to do anything with those kids in space or whatever you know but yeah like new plymouth rap was doing nothing for a few years and so i think he was just kind of like happy to see that it was doing something you know so which is why he gave me the time of day or whatever who else around here is doing stuff that you that you there's actually with. like over the last couple of years been quite a few pop out the woodwork um like real talented dudes um i have been my mate trenton who you just met before out there he um i think i started talking to him when he was like 14 or something he was like putting out music on sound crunch and he was talented as fuck then you know and um him and his brother, they're both really good mates of mine now. Um, you met both of them just out there, Jesse and Trenton. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're, they're making fucking real dope music. Um, they go under the name Stoner Smith and Locate. Okay. Um, and my bro, um, my bro Charlie, who you met just just before as well, he um, he makes like he he was like doing like rappy stuff with us, but now he's sort of more like sort of singing on the beats and stuff, doing that type of stuff, and it's fucking dope. And um, yeah, he's been there pretty much since the start of NMB, since me and Callum sort of started it all, you know. Um, there's a few others too, like a few young dudes sort of starting to, um, starting to make some dope shit at the moment. What do you think, 
What do you think that everyone needs to help them out a bit? It's more, more, more of a scene, more live shit happening in that. It's like sort of why we're putting on on this show on, on October the fifth, like so that we can like, cause there's a bunch of dudes who I've wanted to see play a show, you know, like see like and put on for an audience and stuff. So every single person on the bill for this show on October the fifth is all from New Plymouth, like. And I'm I'm fucking excited to see see how dope they are live, you know. How was that transition? Because you've been you mentioned you predominantly made stuff on computers and stuff, and kind of been a bit behind low key. Can you remember your first show? The first show I played rapping, like, cause I played heaps of shows with bands like through teenage years. But the first show I did rapping was in Hamilton, um, with a whole bunch of hardcore bands. Like I opened up um, rapping with um with Callum and this dude Aiden. Um, we played at a brothel in Hamilton, <laughs> and it was an operating brothel. It was open and shit at the time. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking funny. But I just remember the yeah, there was all these like signs around the place saying "Please smoke inside" and all this because like obviously if you're out on the street in the middle of the night in Hamilton, it's just gonna attract all sorts of shitty attention. But yeah, that was especially at a brothel. <laughs> that was twenty fifteen, I think. Um, that was the first time I played like a, a rap show and it was like a bit like, oh, holy fuck, this is pretty gnarly. Like, how do I do this? Like, you know, just plug my phone into the ox cord or whatever to play the beats oh, and yeah, just so like rap over them. So how's like that being, like, how's it been having a fan base? Is that pretty trippy? It's fucking weird. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, at this, like, I'm sort of starting to get used to it, but like, fuck, a year or two ago, I was walking down the street in Wellington with, um, with my mate Kelly and like these random young dudes were just like oh, Tumen and like just all came like rushing over. I was just like, what the fuck? Like, how do you know who the fuck I am? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you must be deep in the SoundCloud fucking circles or some shit. Like, cause I, I wasn't, I didn't have no sort of like attention at that point. Like, so it would have been like people who were really into underground New Zealand hip hop or whatever, you know, like super niche. But yeah, that was the first time it sort of like I realised that holy fuck people are actually listening to this shit and people actually give a fuck. And then might have been like later that year or whatever, I started getting booked for like club nights in Auckland and stuff. And like just like like rapping and then like realizing that everyone around you is like singing your lyrics and shit and it's just like what the fuck like how do these people know like mm. but so yeah it was pretty surreal like like realizing that people actually don't give a fuck about what you're but doing. i've even been at parties <laughs> and your shit will be playing and and i have to admit at the time i because i'm talking about a specific incident yeah i've been to multiple parties when your stuff's been playing but i i remember one time i was at a party and your stuff was playing and I didn't realise it was you yeah. and then I was just like, bobbing along and then um, I heard one girl come running in from outside because the song had just started one girl come running in from outside and she said to her friend oh is this the new Herman song and she said she said yeah it is and I was just like Herman and then one of my mates come over who used to party with us back at the house um, he said oh you remember Ashen? I was just like yeah and he goes yeah this is him and I was like <laughs> Fuck, what a cracker. Yeah, bro, these girls, like, there was like, and then like two of them, and then three, four, they were coming like, is this the new track? Is this the new track? And there was like a bunch of chicks dancing on this, on this lounge at this party. And I was like, this is fucking trippy, because like, at the risk of sounding like an old cunt, like obviously when we used to drink and ship together back in the day, like it was, 
pretty low key and stuff and like you and Skip and Nucky and stuff would you know yeah. be doing beer bongs and shit and then the older guys would be like fucking these little cunts like I remember my first beer sort of thing you know? yeah. and then now these, these I'm at a party and these people are bouncing to your tracks but it was fucking funny oh fucking it's, it's, it was weird like realising that people were actually listening to the shit because you know like I guess like I just assumed like all the players on the internet were just from fucking Uzbekistan or fucking like, yeah, yeah. you know wherever the fuck some random cunt found it but yeah no it's, it, it, it was pretty fucking pretty fucking strange to find out people actually fucked with it like that what about the flip side of it do you get like is there quite a few haters do you get people talking shit or saying stuff that not to me yeah you know like like never to me but like i'll hear someone else say some shit like oh yeah he was like talking shit about this and then i'm like oh crack up like good on because i think that honestly man i think that stifles a lot of talent as well like a lot of people i mean obviously what you've been through personally enables you i think tell me if i'm wrong but it's almost like it enables you to go well fuck that doesn't really matter i know what really matters i've seen some shit that really matters i've sort of just always had the mindset that if someone's hating or they're you know like talking shit or whatever that the main reason for it is that they are somebody who has always desperately wanted to do some shit that they're too fucking scared to do you know like like most of the people i've heard about who are hating uh people i know would love to rap but are just too chicken shit to fucking do it Mm. you know like and like i guess they're projecting their insecurity on other people doing what they want to do you know like i know for a fact that my music was shit for years like i I know that and so like any of the people who at that point were hating on it i'm like you know fair enough that shit was shit like you know but like at this point it's sort of like even if it's not your cup of tea like there's no reason to be hating unless you're actually just jealous of the fact someone's living their life in front of you you know like and you're too chicken shit to live your own life. Does it ever get personal? Nah. Nah, it never really reaches me. You know, like, it's, like, it'll, it'll always just reach someone who will tell me about this person hating or, you know, like, I don't know why. Like, I'm not intimidating. I'm not some hard counter <laughs> or anything. Like, you could walk up to my face and tell me I'm trash and I'll just laugh at you, you know? Like, but, like, yeah, it never really gets to me. And it's, like, sort of like what we were saying before about yes men, like, most of my life people just haven't challenged me and people just don't really want to and i don't know why like because i'm not scary and i'm not hard i'm not any of that shit you know i i don't know why but yeah hate never really reaches me you know do you find that your friends fire up about it then because they're the ones that hear it they're the ones that cop it yeah yeah <laughs> oh yeah fuck yeah i'm really really blessed to have like a whole bunch of people around me who would sort of ride for me in that sense you know do you think, like, how bad do you think the tall poppy situation is in New Zealand? Because you would have noticed, like, moving backwards and forwards to Aussie. Like, I mean, we, my perspective, we, I lived in Aussie too. So we give a, a straight... Uh, I was in Perth. Oh, yeah. So I was in Perth, but then I was also in Melbourne and Sydney and different spots. Yeah. So I know as a culture, and probably just because of the friendly rivalry we've got with Australia, we give them a lot of shit for being cocky cunts. Yeah. But I think... <clears throat> the flip side to that is is that they're a lot more confident and they're a lot more and they get ahead because they're happy to prop each other up and put each other on pedestal whereas here we probably get on each other's asses a I bit too much I think New Zealand has a huge problem with fake humility you know I think that there's this this huge like, and I've always sort of thought this about, about New Zealand is that people who are fucking incredible at things here feel like they're not allowed to own it 
like you know even though they know they're fucking incredible at things mm. you know you'll like you'll compliment somebody like if i compliment like a visual artist or something on their painting they'll be like oh you but no like you know or whatever and it's like look man i can tell that you actually fucking froth what you just did like you just you for you're some reason you feel like you're not allowed to own it because new zealand doesn't want you to or whatever you know that you're incredible at it and like i i guess like it's probably annoyed a bunch of people how confident and persistent i am with shit because i don't have that false humility you know like i feel like if i make something dope i'm gonna let the world know like and i know that i'm meant to probably you know reel it in sometimes but like i don't want to because if i do no one's gonna give a fuck like so you'd almost rather celebrate too much they're not enough is yeah that... yeah for sure i think like i think that this country's mentality has a huge problem with celebrating itself you know like for fear of being cut down like a tall poppy you know like i think that people don't want to stand up too much just because yeah a lot of people are are and still in the mindset in this country that nah you should just get a trade and you should just do this or that and do what your fucking parents did you know like aim for the house and the missus and the fucking and the you know qualification or whatever you know and i've never wanted any of that shit and like i think it annoys people because a lot of people don't actually want any of that shit but Mm. they feel like they have to and like that's the only life that's set up that will make them look like a success in other people's eyes or something like yeah it's a hard one to explain but like no i think you're doing a good job of it yeah like i don't know like there's a lot of people that i know would love to be making music or would love to be focusing on art or something but they've been pushed into a spot where their family's only going to be proud of them if they're a qualified builder with a 30 grand ute and a fucking house or whatever you know (laughs) so um because it sounds like you're you know you from what we talked about a couple of consistent things is that you've kind of always backed yourself you're pretty strong headed and you don't fear going against the grain how can someone in that situation that you just described of being thinking that they've got to be one way because that's the influence of their parents or whatever how can they swim against the current just start doing whatever it is that you're actually into you know like I know like there's there was people I went to school with who were absolutely phenomenal musicians, like prodigies, you know, and majority of them aren't even making music anymore, you know, like, because I guess they left it in music class because that was the class in school <laughs> where they thought they could, and then, like, I guess it wasn't going to get them into uni or this or that or the other, so it's like, oh, now I'll focus on, on this other shit that's going to be more important in my adult life. And I guess I never thought about an adult life. Like, I still don't really think about an adult life. Like, I, I don't even want to grow up, really. Yeah. Like, what do you mean by adult life? Like, like you know, like, big responsible fucking pull your pants up, go fucking pay your bills, <laughs> fucking get a mortgage. Like, just fucking... I don't know, like, it's... Owning a, a house, like, has never really appealed to me. And I guess it's because, like, we've gotten so far from that even being a reality for most of our fucking generation you know like so it's like well that's an unattainable goal maybe i'll just aim for world domination that seems easier than buying a fucking house yeah (laughs) let's use that as the the segue then because i know we we talked off here beforehand about how you didn't want to go too far down the rabbit hole of politics but you're talking about 
our generation battling to own houses. What are some of the other shit that's kind of fucked up in the world that you're willing to talk about? Because I know there's a lot you don't want to talk about. Yeah. But, but what about a couple of things that, that's going on that you think we're not talking about, some conversations that aren't been happening that we need to have? What, so you've got, say, for example, two people sitting in the car right now, they're battling to talk about something, give them something, to, what's something they could discuss or they could debate or they could challenge each other with. You're going to think I'm fucking crazy, but I Never. might as well start with this one. Yeah, yeah. I feel like currently not only our government but most of the world's governments are trying to corner us and I feel like that because our current governments for instance just given us this well-being budget or whatever it is Mm -hmm. and this well-being budget to protect the community and invest in housing has really done nothing more than militarize the police and like every cop you see has a fucking gun now mm. it wasn't last year <laughs> you know like militarize the police and invest more in jail cells and beyond that our government's not even willing to talk about the fact that they've poisoned our entire fucking bushland and that's just increasing more and fucking more every day and like i know most people i talk to who talk about you know when it all turns to shit or whatever you know like which it probably will at some point yeah, yeah. Um, with these globalists and their agenda. But when it all does, what do we have left? Like, I know my plan and most people I'd talk to's plan would be, all right, you go to the bro who lives out the country's house who's got guns <laughs> and then you go bush. Like, and we can't do any of that anymore. Like, like, we can't do any of that anymore. So we're basically just being weakened and pushed into a fucking corner until I guess they decide to pull the pin, you know? Um, so what are the, some of the things that are happening to, to put us in this corner? So you've mentioned giving the police arms. What are some of the other things going down? Um, yeah, I think, I think yeah, spending all this money on militarising the, poli- the police is, is a big part. Um, the fact that our government has, for years, and when I say our government, I mean the people running our government, the lobbyists and that, mm-hmm. like, I feel like for years now we have um we have basically yeah just been pushed further and further into this corner like like there are certain catalysts that they've used to affect change that um that have been drastic and all of a sudden like i'm not gonna say too much on one part because it's just gonna get me fucking reamed <laughs> but, um, there are um yeah, a lot of conversations that aren't being had that should be and a lot of conversations that are being had that shouldn't be. Like, I honestly believe from what I've watched that this current... I mean, Jacinda is not running fucking anything. She's the fucking face of it. She came straight out of fucking uni into Prime Minister. All right, like, good on you. Never had a fucking job before. So she's not actually a human. She's just a fucking puppet, mm. as far as I see it. But, um... Seeing seeing that shit, seeing headlines being, being well, articles being deleted about politicians that have had big anti ten eighty stances and whatnot, like you know you click on a headline, Winston Peters wants wants ten eighty banned from twenty seventeen. Click on it, article has been deleted. It's like, all right, so they're not making statements about anything. They're just deleting old statements. Um, it's getting pretty, pretty alarming how far they're trying to push push us into a corner I feel like John like John Key was a terrible fucking leader like there's there's no two ways about that like he's taken basically all of all of 
using on public property and privatise it for him and his mates, you know, like, um, but that's really nothing, I think, compared to what's happened under this current government. I feel like the current climate of things cares more about Muslims than Māori. Like, it's, like, how, like, how can, how can we have a public call to prayer, like, for Muslims and we can't have a public call to prayer for what's happening in Ahumata. Like, I, like I, it's it's quite yeah. It's it's gotten weird. I think you know like it's gotten to it's really, gotten weird. It's gotten really weird. Like it's sort of like wait, what is the actual agenda being pushed here? You know, um, what was I thinking? Do of? you talk about any of the sort of stuff in your music? Yeah, but I I definitely weave it down a path where it's not too obvious, you know, like yeah, because yeah. I feel like I'd probably just yeah be blacklisted and ostracised if it was too obvious, you know. Yeah. Um. So what we talked about before about making things a bit more whimsical and like, yeah, yeah 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 making it a little bit more abstract. Like if you want to hear it, you can hear it, you know. But yeah, it's um. Fuck! What was I thinking of just before? Sorry, bro. I cut off your train of thought. Nice. <laughs> What was it to do with camera what we're talking about? Fuck, it was... <laughs> so, so we're talking about, we were on the topic of police getting more arms. Yeah. Um, not being able to run bush anymore. I'm trying to think of some other stuff that we're talking about. That, well, obviously, her being a puppet straight out of yeah. school. Straight out of school. And like we're, for the first time in my lifetime, starting to see like free thought and speech being completely suppressed like I know that a lot of people don't really believe that the story displayed in the Christchurch attacks is the real story it's gotten to the point where cops are now visiting people about their opinion on the internet or Mm. about what they've posted or even if they've just said something that might go against the general narrative and I've never seen that before in this country. Like, that's all That's all new. And I guess it goes hand in hand with a leader that's not actually leading. She's just manipulating the emotions of the people in the country. And, yeah, it sort of, sort of alarms me, you know? Like yeah, it's, yeah. it's quite like, oh, all right, what's actually going on here? And why aren't people allowed to think or speak or even just have an outside thought, hey, maybe what they're telling us isn't the truth. And, I mean, the same media outlets that tell us all these things also tell us that Muslims did 9-11. And I don't believe that for a second. Like, I mean, the Bush administration, there's a lot of fucking dirt on them and and a lot of evidence that suggests that that was an inside job to boost the price of gold and whatnot. (laughs) What do you you think, what do you say, because, you know, I've... I challenge people with these sort of things too. And obviously you get the crazy card thrown at you all the time. How do you respond to that? What's your way of responding when people are like, bro, you're nuts. Like, none of that's true. I just go, yeah, I'm nuts. Don't listen to me. Yeah, okay. Because, <laughs> like, I mean, my opinion on anything doesn't really matter. Like, it's just how I feel, you know? Like, and I guess, like, when I see propaganda, I have a propaganda, you know? Like, I'm like, nah. Like... It's the same, yeah, the same media outlets who told us that they landed on the fucking moon, like, and live-streamed it, like, 50-odd years ago. What? 
Yeah. Like, we don't have the technology right now to live stream that far. Like, how could they have then? Like, doesn't make sense. I mean, I've, I've watched an interview with Stanley Kubrick where he says at the start, all right, so this isn't going to come out till I've been dead for 15 years, right? You're like, yep, cool, sweet ass. And then he goes on to explain how he directed the moon landing in a, in a fucking studio in Hollywood. So it's like, all right, so the same people have been caught lying so many fucking times. Why, why would I believe what they're telling me now, you know? Yeah. Like, why wouldn't I scrutinize it heavily and actually figure out my own opinion on it? Not that mine matters or I could do anything with that, but I guess just for my, my own peace of mind, you know? Like, all right, so, no, fuck all that. I'm not getting caught up in that hysteria, you know? But yeah, it's, um, the world's in a fucking weird place. <laughs> For sure, bro. Speaking of being in a weird place, man, this is, this is the only question that I make sure I ask everyone who appears. And that one question is, you know, there's someone listening right now who's in a bit of a bad spot. They're going through some shit. What would your advice be to help, um, help them get out of that dark place? Just in your own words, obviously we're well aware that you're not a mental health professional or anything like that, but... Man, you've shared a lot of gems today, actually, about ways that you've overcome certain patches. What What would your advice or I what would your message most, be? I think the most valuable thing is just figuring out who it is around you that, like, who, like who or what it is, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be people, it can be passions, it can be whatever. Like, just not letting go of them, no matter what happens, you know, because, like, when I, when I was in my darkest places, I discarded everyone and everything pretty much, you know? And I was like, nah, I'm doing this alone, fuck this. And I think the most important thing is to not, not isolate yourself and to not get, I guess, yourself in that place as your chief influence over everything because you're already in a dark place. And to yeah, not lose sight of, of the people who care and know that if you want to pick them up, they will be there you know like people like like I know a lot of people don't have a relationship with their mother or dad like so who do you have a relationship with like you know like someone who will always be there like because everyone has these people you know and it's so easy to lose sight of these people or these things you can do you know like so many times music saved my life because it's like well, that's all I'm gonna do like and it's gonna make me feel okay at least for now you know but I think yeah I think the most important thing if you're in that sort of place is to not lose sight of those who will always be there you know and where can people find you and find out what you're up to bow and heal music for those people that aren't listening to stuff yet where can you be found um if you just look out herman on any um any streaming platform herman with the x <laughs> h-x-r-m-a-n the X is just like, I don't know, the unknown, the variable, you know? <laughs> but, um, yeah, if you just look up Herman on anything, you'll find it, whether it's fucking Last FM or fucking iTunes or fucking Google. Like, you'll find pages of shit. Like, I think um, on, oh, yeah, on Twitter and Instagram, it's Lil BB Herman. So, yeah, then also shoot like Facebook, YouTube, you can check out all your yeah, vids yeah, and shit on, on there. anywhere, eh? I've like started um distributing my shit properly a little while ago. So you can pretty much anywhere you could find Drake, you could find me. <laughs> <laughs> what a tag. Yeah. Anywhere you can find Drake, you can find <laughs> like, Shop for chatting with me, bro. Thanks, it's been teams, massive, man. man. It was dope. <laughs> 
There it was, episode number seven for the Best Side Podcast. What did you think of that one? Make sure you leave us uh, your reviews, comments, hit us up on Instagram, leave a review on Facebook. We're going to be bringing a new competition in shortly too. For everyone that uh, leaves a review on the Facebook page, you're going to go in to win a prize. I'm just negotiating a couple of things uh, with some local businesses so we can get something going for that because, you know, your guys' feedback is paramount. Whether it's good or bad, if you check out the Instagram, you'll see some feedback from people who are recommending quite a few changes, which is cool. I'm open to that as well. Make sure you go and check out Herman on all his social. You can find him on SoundCloud, YouTube, Spotify, the whole shebang. Uh, make sure as well, if you've got nothing going on on Saturday the 5th or the 6th, which is it? I think it might be the 5th. If you've got nothing going on uh, for October the 5th, um, go and check the bro out. He's going to be playing at the Huatuki Plaza. But yeah, go hit him up on all those socials. Make sure you hit us up too. Thank you for listening. Catch you next time for another episode of The Best Side.